The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Oh, my goodness. We got ourselves a program. Lots of great topics. Great guests this week. Singer-songwriter ZZ Ward is going to be joining us in the second segment. I'm stoked about it. I'm also stoked for our co-host this week, Ms. Katie Zaccardi, joining us. Hi, Katie. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. My my fellow comrade in TikTok arms, Katie Zaccardi, I got to tell you something that TikTok has done lately that is just not sitting right with me. It's kind of, kind of made me just feel awful ever since this little innovation got brought into this world. Okay. I was having a good day today. It was a good day. I, I got a nice note from a client of mine who just out of nowhere just said, just wanted to let you know. I'm really happy that you're my lawyer. We're doing great things and just didn't came out of nowhere. Just brighten my day. Like I, I would have loved that more than like a $10,000 bonus. Like that just hit me the right way. Made me feel good. You know, m- my baby Nathan was extra sweet. The family's doing great. I had a lot to be, I had a lot to smile about. My day uh-huh. was going so well until I opened up the TikTok app and uh, discovered that the app has created a new filter not new. I think it's been around for a while, but new to me because I just started using it called aged. Are you familiar with the aged filter? Yes. So for the uninitiated, the aged filter is a filter on TikTok that shows you what you would look like as an old person. And I think I'm a little upset, not because it's not good at what it does, but how unacceptably accurate it is it is like looking through a window into a sad and bleak future and and i made the horrific mistake i mean if i could go into the wayback machine i would not have used this age filter but but the curiosity got the best of me oh what does this filter think i look like when i get older yeah and oh that just ruined everything about my day that was good and i would like it, it made it just broke me and I would like for it to break the audience, too. So I'm going to now subject the audience to what I look like in this aged filter. We'll go ahead and put this on the stream right now. Look at it. I really don't think you look that the, bad. Oh, my God. So he, look, a, a number of ways it's done me dirty here. OK, I mean, put aside okay. like the horrific wrinkles and like the extended lines and everything else. Yeah, is like. It took about an inch off the top of what is already a rapidly receding hairline, which I thought was just mean. Like, make the hair gray, but you don't have to take another inch off the top of the hairline. Producer Lauren, your draw has dropped. What do you think of this? If I said it on the air, I'd get in big trouble. But, like, if you (laughs) block off just, like, 
your nose down and look at just your eyes and above, and you look like Jason, our brother. Oh. And I, <laughs> that's, don't tell that Jason is, that about is explosively that. mean to our brother Jason, <laughs> oh who does God, not look like that. Not listen to this episode. No, no, no. He doesn't look bad, but like I guess that looks like Jason in like, 2060. Yeah, you don't look excessively old in that picture, but your eyes changed from one of my brothers to my other brother, and it was really weird to me. <laughs> Hold now on. Now I'm super See, what I'm noticing most, so what I'm noticing this. most oh, is the God. fear in his eyes. Oh, I don't, no, I don't think that, I don't on. think that like your shape has changed that much, but you just look so sad. That age filter. Well, th- that's my legitimate sad face. I was smiling when that pic- when I first like opened up that filter, and then I saw what it looked like, and I immediately frowned. Oh, no, that's so sad. All right, I'm gonna. Some pe- I'm going to take that away because that's just depressing me. (laughs) Just like your eyebrow. (laughs) Yeah, just zoom in on my crusty old person eyebrow. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, TikTok ruined my life in that regard. Yeah, same. But because we're doing the show now and I'm here with you, like I'm starting to pick my spirits back up again. But, oh, my God, I I hate how good these filters are getting. I hate it so much. And the dermatologists are like, yeah, this is accurate. I'm like, "Um, I'm going to have to do lymphatic drainage every day of my life or something because my like I have like, as you can probably tell, very cheeky cheeks. Like I got a lot. I got like baby cheeks, but older, it's like the lines they put it on my face i'm like okay you so know, you've but, done this too oh yeah oh yeah probably <laughs> only once or twice because i think i did it once and i was like that was awful and then everyone's like the key is you have to do it in natural light and maybe if you have makeup on it'll look a little better did it again still awful i said i'm just gonna choose to believe this is inaccurate and yeah. close this app <laughs> because i can't like there horrible. are a bunch of teenagers out there who are hoping that if they're men, they're going to look like Robert Wagner. And like the you know, women are hoping to look like Sally Field. And instead, yeah. we all just look the way I looked in that picture. And it's yeah. absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. A little bit. But TikTok has positive things as well. Later in the show, I do want to talk about one of your TikTok videos that you put out recently. You put out some great content as an artist, Coach Katie. And uh, there was Thank one you. video in particular that came out since we last had you on. That I was like, ooh, I got to talk to Katie more about that because that sounds pretty cool. But before we get into that, uh, I have some entertainment law news this week. I hope this is the right button. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> you killed innocent people. A means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Law. Producer Lauren saying the volume wasn't high enough on that, and I cannot have that amazing quote from Judge Dredd not at full volume. So one more time. Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. law! One of go. these days, he'll just send me those audio files, and I'll take care of that. Never. <laughs> that would be too efficient. Well, because I didn't decide until right that last second that I wanted to play the, the show sound, and that was a mistake. Yeah, you know, this is what happens when you do live. This, this is live theater, folks. <laughs> live so we theater. have some entertainment law news this week. You, know, you might think this is pretty interesting, Katie. I don't know how closely you're following the uh, the clown car that is the current Republican presidential race, but there is an and you know normally I wouldn't bring it up on this show, except yeah, there happened to be a little bit of an intersection between that race and entertainment law. Yeah, it happened on uh, started on August twelfth. Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy is at the Iowa State Fair, 
and he performs a karaoke version of Eminem's 2002 hit song, Lose Yourself. Not a song that you would expect a candidate running for president to not only play at his campaign event, but him to actually perform it live. He did like a karaoke version of it. I mean, you're yeah. not going to see like Pat Buchanan doing you that. Don't, you don't see that every day. Yeah. <laughs> but but again, this is a new generation of presidential candidate. Like, I mean, yeah. he's he's 38. I'm 37. So like for the first time, we're actually seeing presidential candidates that are in our generation, or at least in my generation. I, you know, I'm not going to bury you before you're dead yet, Katie Zaccardi. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but, I, you know, that's, that's, but anyway, he performs this. And uh, about two weeks later, on August 23rd, uh, Eminem's performance rights organization, BMI, sends the Ramaswamy campaign a letter saying that his campaign can no longer publicly perform Eminem's music, that Eminem does not want uh, candidate Ramaswamy to use his song. Now, if you've listened to this show, viewers and listeners, you know that artists taking issue with politicians using their music is not a new thing. It has a long and glorious tradition that we've chronicled on this show before. Bruce Springsteen uh, told Ronald Reagan to stop playing Born in the USA. Bob Dole and Pat Buchanan's campaigns got notifications from Bruce Springsteen as well. Bobby McFerrin said to George H.W. Bush, don't use, don't worry, be happy. Sam and Dave said no to Barack Obama using hold on, I'm coming. Uh, my favorite version of these, like, artists telling candidates to not use their music, a couple of them that I think are hilarious, uh, uh, Dropkick Murphys, uh, when the Scott Walker campaign, when he was running for president, when they found out that he was using their song, shipping, I'm shipping up to Boston, they tweeted at Scott Walker with the quote, please stop mu using our music in any way. We literally hate you. Love Dropkick Murphys. I mean, that's just, I mean, just, I mean, like, this is like the group you don't want to, like, don't make professional songwriters mad because of course they're going to string together glorious lyrics to trash you yeah um another one that was good was um donald trump's campaign in 2016 used the rem song end of the world and you can imagine you know if we all know michael stipe he's not going to be the sort of person that's gonna be like yeah i'm cool with trump using my stuff <laughs> yeah. so he puts out a statement that says go bleep yourselves all of you bleeps you sad, attention-grabbing, power-hungry little man. Do not use our music or my voice for your moronic charade of a campaign. And honestly, Mike dropped to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and by the way, like, the list of artists who have just, who have objected just to Donald Trump using their music is like a pretty epic playlist. So just like, this is just the artists who have just said to Donald Trump, don't use my music. Neil Young, R.E.M., Adele, Rolling Stones, Queen, Pharrell Williams, Rihanna, Prince's Estate, Tom Petty's Estate, Panic at the Disco, Phil Collins, Leonard Cohen's Estate, Elton John, Bruce Springsteen, the O.J.'s Twisted Sister, George Harrison's Estate, Eddie Grant, Lincoln Park, Village People, and Guns N' Roses. And I'm pretty sure there's more. That's just what I could find on the first page of Google. Wow. Well done. Are those all the people that said no after he tried to, or are they just like, don't try? <laughs> no, the, the <laughs> latter. The, yeah, oh, none of these were preemptive strikes. About it. Well, oh, we, so the former. So yeah, like, he, these he were actually all tried them all. Yeah, like Donald Trump attempted to use all of these artists' music at one point, and the artist said no. Ooh. To my knowledge, I don't think any of them said, hey, you haven't used my music yet, but don't just try. so you know, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> 
Um, oh my gosh, that's wild. It's become it, its own art form, though. It sounds like they're not just saying no. They're like, how can I say no in the most creative way possible? And But, I mean, who can do better than what the Dropkick Murphys and Michael Stipe did? That is just the highest level of this particularly glorious art form. Now, yeah. I think a lot of artists might be curious as to the... Oh, wait, I should mention one more thing about this with respect to Ramaswamy. And this is the moment where I felt old. And, uh, and older than perhaps I felt when I turned on that aged filter on TikTok and we all <laughs> saw what that looked like. Is when I sur- first saw the story and I saw that Ramaswamy got dinged for playing an Eminem, for performing an Eminem song, my first thought was, oh, wow, these politicians are finally using some modern music. That's kind of cool. Instead of like playing like music from like old people. But now, but I've realized that it's not that they're using more modern music. It's just that I'm the old people now. Like the the candidates for president are like closer to my age. And so yeah, they're going to start using, using the music, music from my childhood. Right. And that is wildly depressing. Yeah. You know what, though? It begs a really interesting question. What song would you use if you were running for president? Oh, man. Oh, see, and this is why I would lose the campaign because <laughs> I would immediately start playing like probably the most formative music of my life, which is like sad, wussy <laughs> college indie rock music. <laughs> yeah. Like I would try to get my supporters riled up to fight for me. And then I, you just hear some Ben Gibbard music coming out. <laughs> like I'm trying to like get everybody super stoked and they just hear love of mine. Someday you will die, but I'll be close behind and I get zero electoral votes. This is why I can't be president. My apologies to any Ben Gibbard fans who were very, very saddened by my impression just now. So let's talk a little bit about the law surrounding this, because I do think it's interesting, right, is what this all comes down to. The reason why Eminem or any of these artists can say, stop playing our music and the campaigns usually have to abide this Mm -hmm. is because of copyright law and specifically the public performance rights. So one of the rights that you get as a copyright holder. So when you have a copyright in something, you have what's called a bundle of rights. You have the exclusive right to do a bunch of different things with this thing that you own. One of those rights is the right to publicly perform your work. So if you own a copyright to a work, you can, you are the only one that's allowed to publicly perform it, or you can allow others to publicly perform it. Mm-hmm. And so if, and and so what a, most artists, like 99% of artists in the United States do to manage these public performance rights is to work with a performance rights organization such as BMI or ASCAP. And by the way, any, any songwriter listening to this, if you're not hooked up with a PRO right now, you should be. There are performance royalties to be had, but you can only get them collected if you got one of these performance rights organizations doing your collecting. And so what happens is if I'm a political campaign, I want to be able to play music at my campaign events. And so what I will do is I will go to ASCAP and BMI, who represent the vast majority of American songwriters, and purchase what is called a political entities license, where I say I pay money to these two organizations, and that gives me the blanket right to perform any song in either of these ASCAP or BMI catalogs, and play them at my campaign events. And so since Eminem is a BMI artist, Vivek Ramaswamy was permitted to 
publicly perform an Eminem song, be that through the way most candidates do it, where it's just like the recordings playing over a loudspeaker or yeah. the way Vivek Ramaswamy does it, where he actually literally did his own karaoke performance of the Eminem song. But one of the things that's in the political entities license, which was created about 10 years ago or 15 years ago by these two organizations, says that if an artist objects to you using their song, they have the right to pull their song from the blanket license. Mm -hmm. And that prevents a situation where an artist, where a political campaign is going to perform a song and the artist doesn't agree with the politics of that candidate. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened here. Eminem said, I don't want the Ramaswamy campaign playing my song. And I certainly don't want this candidate rapping my lyrics uh, to a bunch of people at an Iowa State Fair. And so BM, you know, so BMI had to send the notice to Vivek Ramaswamy saying Eminem has pulled his song from your from your list of songs. So you can't use Eminem's song anymore. You got to use somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's kind of how that one turned out. And, you know, I, I still think that like if I were advising a political campaign, and I think this is kind of an important point, and it's it's something I've recommended for a while when we've talked about stories like this, is if I were representing a political campaign, I wouldn't rely on this political entity's license to get permission to use my songs. Because you always run this risk of an artist saying, oh, I hate that person. I'm yeah. going to not only tell them to stop using my music, but I'm going to make like a PR stunt out of it where it's going to become news. And now yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy gets embarrassed. So if I'm running for office, among the things I'm doing is going out to artists and saying to them, hey, I'm running for office. Can I use your music? Do you support my politics enough? Do you find me to be a palatable enough candidate that if I were to play your music, you're not going to make me look bad in a news cycle by yeah. sending me a nasty gram letter or telling BMI to pull my song from your political entities license that you purchased. And that's got to be the path forward because, yeah, these I mean, we, we get these stories every year and these campaigns still don't learn. They still get yeah. hit with these time after time. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I feel like there's an opportunity for partnership or synergy or at least just literally not getting in trouble uh by just doing a little bit of outreach beforehand instead of this and it's what's funny about this approach is that like you have to kind of use the artist song and then have them actively not like it in order for them to say don't use my music because it's you know i'm assuming most artists are not wasting their time being like hey make sure that i'm not a part of this blanket yeah. license like they have to be provoked into it kind of, but then you're right. It ends up being this bad press. And I know some people say like all press is good press, but I don't know about that when you're running a political campaign and then somebody's being like, I literally hate you. Yeah. You are the worst. Don't use my music. I, I agree with you. I think it's like embarrassing, that especially when you're doing karaoke. Yeah. Oh my God. That, and that <laughs> That's the worst. Like imagine, cause like Vivek Ramaswamy, like you're not going to learn every word to lose yourself unless this was like a really pivotal song for you growing up. Right? Like, you know, this is obviously, like, he obviously loves this song. It's probably one of his favorites. And imagine like you're running for yes. president, you're performing this song and the artist who wrote one of your favorite songs is telling you, stop performing my song. Mm -hmm. That would be like if Ben Gibbard were to tell me, stop singing, <laughs> I will follow you to the dark. Like, like yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, it's giving like I just want attention. Like, why did you have to do karaoke? Too? What is the meaning behind this song that you thought it'll really resonate <laughs> with the American people and my message? Like, it it feels super just self-indulgent. Like, literally not even touching on the politics of it at all. Yeah. But just like, it feels so self-indulgent. And for it to backfire, I'm sorry, is really funny. <laughs> but I mean, and not even just that you think it's going to resonate with the American people, but that you think it's going to specifically resonate with people from Iowa. <laughs> it's like, you know what people in Iowa love? Aggressive hip hop music. You know what will make me more likable? Rapping to a song that I don't have the rights to. That's right. Oh, my God. Now, so yeah, what I've learned is when I run for president, my first phone call is not going to be to like campaign donors. It's going to be to Ben Gibbard. So that like after I give my big speech where I close it with, all right, everybody, let's get this thing going and we're going to go on and we're going to win this thing. Yeah. Love of mine. Someday you will die. <laughs> It's kind of a bop, though. I like it. I mean, it's. <laughs> I want to live where soul meets body. <laughs> it's not going to hit quite the same as Eminem. <laughs> maybe, All right. Maybe they'll do a remix for you. Make that, it a little oh, more. Oh, see, that's that's why we got to get Death Cabin on the ground floor of this campaign. Yeah, I got to get creative about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we will have our, our, our guest ZZ Ward coming in a little bit, but a uh, couple more things. While we are on the subject of TikTok, Katie, bef uh, before we do our AI Overlord tip of the week, I would love to have you tell us a little bit about uh, the TikToks that you've been making lately. I, I want to make this a regular thing where every, every month that we have you on, there's always at least one, if not more, banger of a TikTok video that you make that I want to highlight for the viewers and listeners and talk to you more about. And you put out a, a pretty terrific one a few days ago um, about uh, you know how to get your fans to support you. Lauren, can you play this for us? Your fans want to pay you, but you have to give them the opportunity to do so. Think of an artist that you are a super fan for, whether it is a giant artist or an independent artist. When they announce a show or a gig or a tour, what do you do? You buy tickets. When they release merch, what do you do? You buy merch. When they launch a Patreon or have some sort of VIP experience, you probably consider joining. You are no different from the artists that you love. Your fans want to support you and they want to pay you. But in order for that to happen, you need two things. You need an offer or offers. So for instance, you need a show that they can go to, or you need merch to sell, or you need a Patreon. And number two, you need to promote that thing. And I don't just mean once, I mean regularly. You need to give your fans the opportunity to support you. Otherwise, it's no wonder you're not making money as a musician. If you don't have an offer yet, start there. If you do, start talking about it. Your fan Such an excellent point, Katie. And it really is a missed opportunity for a lot of indie creators where they have the fans, they're putting out, you know, great content that's engaging, but for the most part, the only consumable content they are giving their fans is stuff that's free, yeah. whether it's music for them to stream or videos for them to watch for free, but there's no 
monetary way that you're giving fans to support you. You don't have a Bandcamp account. You don't have Patreon. You don't have a merch store. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's a big miss for a lot of creators. And I'm glad you, you recognized it. Tell us more about this. Yeah. Well, I think you're spot on that just a lot of musicians will kind of start out. And maybe this is also a wake up call for people because, listen, I'm a coach. I talk to musicians every day and a lot of the days I hear, I don't have the money. I'm not making any money. Uh, It's so stressful. It's so hard to make money in music. And I totally understand that a lot of um, people can preach that basically, or you might see evidence that that is the case because there are a lot of musicians and there are a lot of musicians who are not making money. But I want you to really critically think about Am I complaining because the only way I'm really operating in music right now is spending money to record music, releasing that music, and then getting streams on it. But we all know that streams does not pay us very well. Like, that's just a fact. So it's important to start to think about real ways that you can make money. Offers like Patreon, like gigging regularly, whether you plan a tour in your town, in your tri-state area, you know, across the country, whatever works for you, or even just getting high paying like gigs, working at weddings or working at your local farmer's market or whatever it might be. There are opportunities for gigs there. And again, things like Patreon, things like sponsorships or partnerships on social media. If you've built a following things like starting to share what you've learned with other people and maybe doing some coaching, that's tangential. So I'll actually leave that out right now, but even just like selling merch creating VIP offers, meet and greets at your shows. Like there are a lot of ways that you can start to think outside of the box um, or just go the traditional route of what you think of when people make money and implement that more heavily into what you're doing. But the most important thing, because you might be thinking to yourself, okay, yeah, Katie, but like I have some merch, I created some merch or I even have a Patreon, but I'm just still not making it happen. The thing is that in order to get your audience to take action, they have to know about it and they have to also go from knowing about it to taking the action to buy the tickets. And it's really common, I think, for smaller artists to feel like nobody wants to see my stuff or nobody wants to buy my stuff because I'm small. But the reality is when you when you emotionally invest in an artist because you really relate to their music, I will bet you that you like buy their merch or even just go to their local show or find a way that you can support them. And that is the same for you as the artist. Like your fans really do want to support you, but if they don't know what's going on, they can't support you. And again, not only do they not have to know what's going on, but you have to be talking about it enough that they remember and take the action to pay you because, you know, I I think that this stat is probably outdated by now, but they say it takes people like seven times to see something before they buy in. And whether it's more or less than that now, I think that it's, you know, we'll just use the number seven. So it's like, they need to see seven posts on social media or seven emails for someone to say, oh yeah, I recognize that they're having a show. Let me actually buy tickets to that show or let me actually buy this merch. So while a lot of musicians are putting in the work and they're being really um, creative about ways that they can make money where you might be going wrong if you're still not seeing that income come in is that you're just not talking about it enough. And I know it can feel salesy, but working it into your content and just making sure that you are making your audience aware of it 
is going to make a huge difference. Simple, but effective. (laughs) That's seven things really where people need to see something seven times before they make a move on it and purchase it or whatever. Mm -hmm. That is so true in my own life. Even when I'm scrolling TikTok, there are there's so many ads that I see on TikTok where the first time I see it, I say, that's so stupid. And by the seventh time, I've already bought it. Like, honestly, I am one more away. I I got the first six. I'm one away from getting that stupid purple toothpaste (laughs) that like they sell on TikTok. They have this other thing on TikTok where it's like all it is, this little thing that you like you hit a, you know, you, you can put a little button on your phone and it like pushes down on stuff. So like if you have a switch, like say a computer CPU, it'll push down the on switch like and you just have to tap it via Bluetooth. And like my CPU is like under my desk. So like the first time I saw that, I'm like, this is a stupid ad. I'm never going to get this. And I'm probably going to wind up getting it after the seventh time because I'm like, you know what? I really actually do need that. Yeah. Artist merch is absolutely the same thing. You can't expect, especially when you're talking about separating people from their money, you're not going to be able to do it on the first pitch. And Mm -hmm. but you know, if you if you make it part of your narrative and find the the right balance between reminding them without, you know, annoying the crap out of them, yeah. uh, you can you can uh, achieve a lot of good stuff there. And don't be afraid to get creative with the stuff that you sell too. our guest coming up in the next segment. ZZ Ward is an amazing example of this. She actually sells her own line of fedoras that she That's makes awesome. herself and they look amazing. Yeah. And so if you have something that you are really good at making, you know, we had a guest, Mary Jennings on the show has been on a few times. She makes her own bolo ties and sells them. If there's something that you're really good at making that kind of shows off your personality, yeah, that can be a great thing to sell your fans because like that's unique, right? Like everybody's got a t-shirt of their favorite artist. How many of them have a bolo tie or a fedora Mm -hmm. hat from their favorite Mm -hmm. artist? That's really cool. Yeah. And I don't remember if we talked about this when it was happening, but did we ever talk about if I were a fish that when that went viral on TikTok? Like we de- we must have, right? If I were a fish. <gasps> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> a few months ago, okay. I wish we could pull it up, but a few months ago, these two um, musicians went viral on TikTok because they wrote a song and it was like, if I were a fish and you caught me, I'd say, look at that fish. And like, basically they had like written it after a hard day or something, but their energy was like so infectious. It went super viral. People loved it. You know, it had, it's like 15 minutes in the spotlight, but I just saw this week that they wrote or they like have a children's book that's coming out now. And I, I Called actually, if I meaning, were a fish or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like about the song and like on that taking, taking from the song and whatnot. So I re- I actually have been meaning to do edit on TikTok because I think that's such a powerful lesson of like think outside the box. Like there's so many things you can create that don't have to be music, right? It doesn't have to just be like streams, t-shirts, gigs. It can be things that just make sense based on what you're doing. Even if it is just like really unique merch to you. I'm one of my clients. I remember when she did, she released an EP and she has a cricket and she's really creative and she like hand painted and like, um, she hand painted mugs basically with trees on it that like went with one of her songs and they let her, it like sold out like the merch that she was doing sold out. I mean, it was a small batch, but like 
thinking of things that people are really going to love that also are just like true to you um, and use all of your talents or can really just like speak to the art that you've created is a really good way, I think, to get people engaged besides just, you know, here's a hat and here's a t-shirt, like do something that people are going to, it's going to stand out too. And obviously that's a great way to get people's attention. I love that to bits. Before we go to break, let us move forward with the AI overlord tip of the week. This week, the AI overlord has a little something to say for us about content calendars. A content calendar isn't just a planner. It's your creative compass. Mapping out your content in advance gives you the space to envision the larger narrative of your work. By establishing consistent publishing dates, you not only build trust with your audience, but also allow yourself the peace of mind to produce quality over quantity. Additionally, this foresight helps in managing resources, avoiding last-minute scrambles, and ensuring that your content aligns with broader goals or timely events. As an indie creator, weaving your story cohesively over time can set you apart in a saturated digital landscape. So, invest some time in crafting a content calendar. It's a game-changer. Our robot overlord is so right on. I love content calendars. And... I use them with my own TikTok account, and whenever I go through a dry spell in content, it's always because I don't update my content calendar. Like whenever, whenever I am like religious about updating my content calendar, putting my ideas in there, scheduling things out, the content flows, and it's always such good quality. And so I highly recommend content calendars. You can Google search a really basic one. You can make them out of Excel spreadsheets. You could just create a word document where you get your ideas out there, but it, it will absolutely change the game for you as our AI overlord put it. I mean, with all the content you put out, Katie, you must use something like a content calendar. Yeah. I actually have one that is an Excel spreadsheet and it's like in my program, the audience builder, I give it to all of my clients and I use it. And Sometimes I'm more strict, if you will, with it than others. But I think especially during periods where I'm launching something or I'm just trying to focus up around a, a specific topic and especially when it comes to balancing multiple platforms. So like when I was when my podcast was on and when I was doing email marketing, which I still do, and then there's TikTok and then there's Instagram. It's really helpful to also look at like what's happening across platforms like what's the podcast topic for the week? What's the emails for the week? And then where do the TikToks fall in? Um, so huge, huge, huge fan, especially, especially if you are launching or releasing something, because that's when you really need to be organized with your content. And also just make sure that you're like posting enough because <laughs> it's easy to be like, oh, I've got all this stuff. And then you make like three posts. And going back to our conversation we were just having, it's like, you need to be posting more. You need to be making sure that you're almost overdoing it. It's going to feel like you're overdoing it in order to be doing enough. And so planning will help to make sure that you're doing enough. Very important. Our, one of our commenters has referred to our segment, A Overlord Tip of the Week, with an acronym. A, he writes in A-I-O-T-O-T-W. Yeah, it just rolls off the tongue. 
A I O T the A I O T O T W. I O T O T W. I O T O T W. Now that we've concluded our I O T O T W, we will take a break. We got ZZ Ward coming up right after this. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, you lovely humans. Ryan Carella here with Katie Zaccardi and producer Lauren just having an absolute blast. Lauren, I wanted to run a quick programming note by you here. How are you, by the way? Oh. <laughs> no, uh, this is a good thing, but it just totally slipped my mind. I look at the episode counter for Break the Business. We're up to episode 391. Yeah, I was thinking what you're about, like, I was literally just thinking this. I feel like you're reading my mind and it's weirding me out. Go ahead, continue. No, but like, like episode 400. <laughs> is right around the corner. Is, yeah, like a, like a couple months away. Uh-huh. That's a that's a big effing milestone and we need to plan stuff. I don't know what we're going to do. Are we doing um, that before the end of the year? Do I have to do math right now? I, well, oh, I, I would that. assume what, nine nine weeks? Yeah, we're, we're going to do it in 2023. Okay, okay so sick is that i think that i will be on for 399 and not 400 if oh I- no maybe well, 400 will be all of the co-hosts that's right and well, then we have to bring dave back we did that for 300 i know like like 300 was already like our episode 300 was huge right we had two musical performances of people that wrote original songs for us we brought a ton yeah. of guests back it was an absolute blast i don't know how we're going to top that for 400 which should be a bigger deal 
But, you know, once again, we've only had 100 episodes to plan this, and we've just totally procrastinated until now, so we got to figure something out. Anyway. I got it. I got it. That is an us problem and not an audience problem. For the audience, we got a very special treat. we'll take audience suggestions. Well, there's always that, yes. Send your audience suggestions. Do our work for us. Send us your suggestions for what we should do for episode 400 at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. I should also mention that Break the Business is available on all streaming services and podcast platforms and on Sirius XM 145. Much love to Slam Radio for giving us a satellite radio home. Our guest this week is an award-winning alt-blues singer-songwriter who will be releasing Dirty Shine, her first album as an independent artist, on September 8th. The music video for the album's lead single, On One, is available now. And you can find out more about our guest's work by visiting ZZWard.com. We are happy to welcome ZZ Ward on to Break the Business. Hello there. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my God, great mic quality. I, I know I shouldn't just lead with that every time that a guest has amazing mic quality, but, and I guess I shouldn't, you know, of course, like, you know, an experienced singer, songwriter, musician like you would obviously have great equipment, but you sound incredible, Zizi. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. And looking equally great with that sweet fin- fedora you got rocking right there. Thank you so much. I made this one, and I think this is the, the debut for the glasses. Uh, in my old age now, I'm like rocking glasses to see y'all. So, hey. I love fedoras. I love fedoras. I love fedoras. And I did not know that in my pre-show thing. And he said that, I'm sorry, I had to pop on because I was like, I want a fedora now. So either in the private chat or like publicly to all of our audience, I need to know where to get one. because I. There you go. Well, all right. I mean, since producer Lauren brought it up, can let's learn a little bit more uh, about the fedora. So from what I read about you, cause I actually did the show prep, um, the, the fedora and your love of it sort of began with your own experience as a performer. I believe you would get nervous before shows and yeah. your solution to handle those nerves was putting on that really sweet piece of headwear that you have. And that sort of began your love affair with the fedora. Do I have this right? You have it right. I mean, it, it can't, it really came from my love of, uh, the blues, listening to blues music growing up. And artists like Muddy Waters would wear a fedora. So when I was trying to kind of like, you know, go out there and sing in front of people, I would I would get so nervous. I would shake. Like I had tremors in my body. Like I couldn't even sing right. That I was like, how could I feel like, you know, these blues artists that I'm looking up to? And so that was kind of like the fedora became sort of my cape that I would put on to feel more confident than I was. And it's now it's like, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a goy goy, I guess. I just can't, <laughs> I just can't live without it. I can't go on stage without it. I think maybe I played a couple of shows without it, but I don't know. It just makes me feel, makes me feel more comfortable. So. It, I mean, it looks really cool. And you didn't sort of just stop with using it as a performance tool. You carried this love of the fedora into a, a bit of a business for yourself. As you noted before, you make and sell your own fedoras. You make them in your house, I believe. Tell us about this, because this is cool, and it fits in with what we were talking about in the prior segment about artists creating unique merch and merch that that speaks to their personality. Yeah, it was wild hearing you guys talk about this. I'm definitely in the right place. Because, <laughs> like, this is my my whole life right now, more so than it's ever been before, because I was, I was signed to a major for, like, 10 years, and now I'm independent. Um, and, I was always a hus- and I was always a hustler, but... Uh, but I'm now I'm hustling even more. Um, so yeah, I, uh, you know, when I first started wearing them, like, you know, and putting my music out professionally, like, 
nobody was really making them like I, I couldn't really find many places to get them. So over the years, like at one point I had like a partnership with a company and then they would make them for me, but I felt really limited to like what I could come up with. Um, they could only do uh, a few shapes and things like that. And so over the years, I was like, I just, I want to learn how to make them. I'm desperate to learn how to make these. What do I do? What do I, how do I learn this? So I went and found a milliner that would give me lessons. And I learned how to make my own hats. I uh, I do make them at my house. It's not really anything. I mean, like, you know, there's like a guy named Nick Lacroix. I think he's pronounced his name. And he has like these videos on his website where he's like steaming the fedoras. And there's like fire and he lights it on fire. And he's in like this dude, like, I make these things like right here in my recording studio like i put them out in the sun to dry like you know i make them at my house and i make them on the tour bus and i make them in hotels when i'm playing gigs like but the thing with it is you know they're very important to me i'm putting my hands on these hats i'm putting you know these these designs are my designs so like it's like what you were talking about where it's like your fans can have something that is just a different it's a different way to connect with an artist that you love you know it's like something that i love that i hopefully can get to somebody that can they can wear that and then that can help them in their life in some way make them feel good make them feel empowered so yeah i have my own line it's called dirty shine millinery and it's up on my website so yeah you should be prepared for the fact that our producer is about to clean you out. Uh, I hope that you have adequate supply to uh, to help her satiate her insatiable fedora lust. <laughs> well, you better get them quick because the truth is I'm about to go on the road in like a few, like a, on Tuesday I'm leaving, I'm going on the road and uh, we're turning the part of the store off because I'm basically bringing everything. I'm slinging everything, bringing a lot of stuff with me. That I'll sell on the road. And so part part of my website that has become pretty, I've been growing my website. When I became independent, I was like, okay, how do I like get in touch with my fans more than I've ever gotten in touch with them before? Because now there's kind of like this less of a barrier between us. And uh, it's been really, really fun. So I've definitely been able to make my website, you know, a lot more personable and a lot more me, a lot more connected to everything else that I'm doing, which we'll talk more about. Um, and you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different stuff on there. I mean, I will talk to you more about the music videos that I'm making. There's stuff from the music videos that I'm selling my store. So people can feel connected to the music videos that I'm making. There's the hats. There's, I design all of my own merch. Um, I'm not the one actually drawing it. I trace a lot of it and then I have somebody actually good do it, <laughs> but, yeah. but my ideas are behind it. So yeah, a lot of a lot of ways for people to um, uh, have a special experience and connect with with me. I feel like you've implied the problem I have with interviewing right now, which is there's so many different places I can take this interview, and time is a finite thing, right? Like we we have your story as a label artist going independent, putting out an independent album for the first time. We have your amazing music videos, which I scouts honor. We're going to get to because incredible the music videos you put out and it's really really neat um but let's start with the first thing there because i think that is important you did mention that before that this is your first album dirty shine your first album as an independent artist after being a label artist for many years can you tell us a little bit more about how it's different you know putting out an album with a label's backing versus the you know be ability to be able to release something independently have all of the benefits, but also all of the responsibilities that come with that. What's what's it sort of like? 
Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, on the real, there's pros and cons with it. You know, I'd say the, I'll say the positives first. Um, the positives are definitely like, I have a new sense of freedom now that I never, that I never had before. You know what I mean? I can put out music that I love as frequently as I want. And I don't really have to answer to anybody other than the people. I still have people on my team. I still have a management team. Um, I still have people that I, I bounce my writing ideas off of and producers that are very talented that were, will give me feedback. So there's still people giving feedback and things like that, but it's a little less like disconnected, like there's a lot more freedom. So there's a lot, a lot more freedom, which is really, really fun. And I can explore that freedom in different ways beyond the music, to visuals, to touring, to whatever I want to do um, and connect with my fans a lot more. And then the only con is really money, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, that? you know, it's a big part of our lives. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think that I'm not going to like, um, this is what this, this, this is all about talking to you guys. I mean, we all know that the boat we're in as independent artists. I mean, we're competing against artists that have major label backing. That's a big, that's a big difference, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, you just got to be really creative and really clever and smart and you got to spend money i mean that's the way that it goes but you know just like you guys were talking about if you're spending money you got to figure out how to bring it back in <laughs> yeah. so, so you have to kind of like figure out you know ways to do that that is fun for people and so it's definitely a different a different gear to be in but i think that uh i think that it's even better for the fans than it ever at least my fans than it ever was before so I dig that. And one of the things that your fans are getting with this, with the Dirty Shine album and some of the music you're putting out now, uh, are these really striking music videos, which I think calling them a music video is is almost sort of diminishing what they are because they really are just short films. Like they have the production quality and the story of a mini movie. You know, the, yeah. the, the music video for On One is this really cool zombie Western thing that you put together. That's, you know, the, the set pieces, the production design is all super top-notch. Uh, what drew you to sort of making these ambitious film projects? Is it the idea of just like, I'm an independent artist, I need something that's going to help, you know, help me compete with the label artists and cut through the clutter? I just honestly have too much fun. I have so much fun like coming up with this stuff. Like when I started making music videos when I was on a label, I had at the beginning, I had very, very minimal creative input and didn't feel like I was really allowed to have much input. And then over the years, I had more and more and more. And then when I became independent, I started working with my brother, Adam William Ward, who's an independent film director. He's actually done a feature, an independent feature by himself, um, which is crazy. And, uh, and it just made me feel like, you know what, like my, I'm going to team up with my brother and he's so good behind the camera and as an actor and a filmmaker that let's, let's see where this can take us, you know? And so it's just been like, we're kids again, honestly, like I'm pretty much, you know, we're all wearing different hats. Like, you know, I'm, I'm writing the treatments with my husband and my brother and then also like I'm um, working on production stuff, you know, organizing everybody. I'm like finding the van for the baby don't video, like just everything. Like um, I'm bringing the snacks to the video shoot, you know, and you gotta realize like, this was something when I was on a major label where it was like, I show up, there's like star trailers, like, you know, I got a makeup artist, I got a stylist. 
And now I'm like sitting there doing my own makeup. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm, I'm like making sure that like everybody's eat, eaten and like, you know, so it's just, but to be honest with you, I started off like selling my demo CD in parking lots. So, um, I, it's not too, it's, it's, it's pretty natural for me to, to, you know, uh, make it happen independently. So. What is the go-to snack that you have to bring to your video shoot? What is the snack that if it's not there, you know, you're not going to be able to deliver the performance you need to deliver in this music video. Mm, it's just where I get naughty, you know, honestly, because I'm like, mm, chips, granola bars, like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Usually on a shoot day, I don't end up eating that much food because you're moving so fast and you're working so hard. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely like, I mean, if I had to, I'd be like a salty, I'm a salty girl. Like I definitely like, I like some potato chips and I like the salty stuff probably more than the sweet stuff, but yeah, that probably, it's definitely a day where I, I don't eat well. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, like I'm just, I'm a snack person. I got like, I mean, we were talking Pringles, Ruffles, Lay's, what are we doing? Cause I, I feel like, like getting, we're getting specific. Cause I oh, like to get like the, I, like to I get, get the very specific packs. about my chips. I like to get the multi-packs because then I feel like I can have like Funyuns, I can have Doritos, I can have Cool Ranch Doritos, I can have Nacho Cheese Doritos, and I can always make the excuse out that I was buying them for everybody else that we just had a lot of options, you know, but oh. really I'm getting the snacks so I could try all of that. The party pack, right? Like the smaller bags of like different things so that everybody gets the thing that they want. What a pro yeah. move, Katie, right? Yeah. Like she's, she, she's this got is what down. we're talking about. Thinking outside of the box. <laughs> this is really why we're here. Let's talk about them down. <laughs> Creativity, people. Snack game on point. And Katie, you must be super blown away by what she's doing with the fedoras, making them herself, having it be sort of an extension of her personality and having that be part of what she offers out to her fans. That was everything you talked about in the TikTok video. Yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible. And I just also love how you really get your fans involved, you know, bringing aspects of what you're doing in your music and your music videos into stuff that they can buy or ways that they can support you. I think it's just mm -hmm. such a great model of like fan interaction and community building while also being able to monetize what you're doing. And um, I love it. Like, again, I think there's so much musicians can learn by looking to other artists like you who aren't just saying, oh, I'm independent, oh, well, guess I'll be poor, but who are saying, how can I be creative about what I'm doing and really like put my, that's, and this is a cool thing about being independent is you can like really put your mark on everything. You're not being controlled by label. You're not having to go through like the rigmarole of it. You can like say, this is the hat that I made, <laughs> or this is the music video that I made and the thing from that music video that you can have now, which I think helps to really um, strengthen that bond, you know, between artist and fan. Yeah, absolutely. We have a commenter who writes in, join House of Dirty Shine Discord. So. <laughs> Yes. We'll, we'll we'll start with obviously the shameless Pickles. plug of your Discord, which is very cool. But also, I don't know how y'all find this stuff? So. <laughs> but also, like, I would say, how do my fans find this? Like, I I didn't even. I it's like amazing. I could never find half of this stuff, and they find everything. I'm like, what's up? You're here, okay, awesome. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, always good to have those kind of fans. And I think it gives us an opportunity to, for me to ask you a little bit about what dirty shine means. Cause I know it's an expression you've used in, in the past and it's uh, the name of your album. What is dirty shine? Dirty shine is something that kind of like 
it started to like maybe 10 years ago, like when I put my first about first album out because I was like this kind of weird girl with blonde hair wearing a hat when nobody was doing that and playing harmonica over freaking hip hop songs with like Kendrick <laughs> Lamar. Like, who is this girl? She's super weird. And then it, it kind of became this thing with my fans where like everybody that comes to my shows, it's like, it doesn't matter like who you are, what you look like, where you're from, like just be yourself, be your authentic self. We're all connecting over the music here. It's like, you know, uh, you might be a little, have a little dirt on you, a little dirty, but let yourself shine. So that's kind of where it came from. And then it's like the book, The Alchemist. It like, it's like, you know, they look everywhere and then you look under the carpet and it was right, right, right underneath you the whole time. You know, you searched all around the the world. It's like a dirty shine, uh, the title for the, the new album I'm dropping next week. It's like, it just made sense. So it's just who, what I am and what this project is. So. And that album is, as our guest noted, is uh, coming out on September 8th. We're all very excited for it. Before we do our final questions, Easy, I got to ask a personal question of you, only because I'm going through a similar stage in my own life with this. So I'm curious about this. You are a new mom, uh, just as I am a new dad. How is that treating you? Um. It's treating me great, you know. I mean, like my son is two and a half now. He's definitely the best thing I've ever done with my life, without question. I will tell you, as you know, it's the hardest thing in the world, and it's the best thing in the world. You know, I'm like, I just try to enjoy every moment and finding that balance between um, my career and being a mom because, like, my love of music will will never be extinguished, and so I have to kind of feed that fire at the same time as being a a mom i'm uh you know i'm really excited i'm leaving on tour i have a, the one hell of a night tour is it kicks off next week uh and we're going all around the country and i'm bringing my son on the tour bus so and we're gonna live on the tour bus for for six weeks so wow. i'm uh i'm really excited that he's getting to do that with his mom you know so um and i and and you know i'll still be changing diapers so <laughs> so what a cool thing to get to do with your mom (laughs) like i'm taking my kid to a ball game (laughs) it's like it's like oh yeah i'm I'm taking my kid to a baseball game well i'm a rock star and my kid's gonna go on tour with me no but i'm sure the the thing your kid's doing is cool too well it's funny because i had to like pull him out of like that he's starting like his little is not even preschool yet but I, i told the the teacher i was like oh well I got to, he can't, has to start a month late because I got to bring him out on the road with me on the tour bus. And he's like, I don't know about that. I'm thinking, <laughs> I know about that lady. I'm getting this kid on the road. He's going to see way more out here than he's going to see at school. <laughs> That's so rad. Okay. True. Um, very, very cool. People, check out ZZWar.com and check out Dirty Shine coming out on September 8th. Before we let you go, one last question. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Yeah, I mean, my number one tip would be believe in yourself. Don't expect other people to believe in you because you will find people along the way that will champion you and will believe in you, but you're going to find a whole bunch of people that don't and screw them. Like, you got to believe in yourself before other people believe in you. And if you want a career that's long too, like, you got to always have that mentality, you know, and then make sure you're always learning. So, yeah. 
It was really a pleasure chatting with you. I so enjoyed this. Thank you for putting up with our silliness and uh, just <laughs> just having you. a great convo with us. Uh, best of luck with the album release and the tour. It, it sounds like it's going to be an absolute blast. And uh, my apologies for what our producer is about to do to your existing stock of fedoras because she's going to clean you out. <laughs> Our right thanks, on, bring it on. <laughs> our thanks to ZZ Ward, producer Lauren, Katie Zaccardi, and all you viewers and listeners. Next week's guest is Professor Tony Ilya Costas of the New York Law School. That should be a blast. We're going to have some fun. Thank you all for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Break.